This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show podcast. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. Welcome to the Halftime Show. I am Omar Dury. Hope you had an amazing Eid. Coming up on the show, how technology could be destroying the sport. Are we lacking characters in the game when a superstar is being drafted, transferred or sold to another club? Is it worth having his talent if it means you have to deal with his baggage? Any idea who I'm talking about? All that and more. It's going to be a good one, folks, on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. This is the halftime show with Omar Aduri on Pulse 95. Welcome back to the halftime show. I'm Omar Aduri, your host covering everything sport, international and local. Hope you had an amazing aid break. What did you guys get up to? Short trip, staycation, a little bit of binge watching, or like me, were you watching the sport as the Premier League opened this weekend? The curtain was finally, finally down, and we got a chance to watch football again after a long time. With my mother being in London and my wife and her family being in the US, I spent it with the Premier League this weekend after working on a three day project. Now, one thing that has stolen the headlines was technology in sport. We've had Hawkeye in tennis, which allows you to challenge big decisions over a set limited time. That's been around for a while. However, a certain VAR is the talk of the town. And VAR, for those who are listening who are not sure about it, is Video Assistant Referees. The Video Assistant Referee is a match official in association with football who reviews decisions made by the head referee with the use of video footage and a headset for communication. Now, the Premier League have announced it this season And as you know, it it was tested in Europe last year. We saw a lot of contentious decisions around. But this time, we got to sample it in the Premier League this weekend. Now, amongst those things that stood out this weekend, Kun Aguero from Manchester City had a penalty retaken following Fabianski's save when City played West Ham because Declan Rice, the West Ham player, stepped into the area. Aguero missed the penalty and then was ordered to retake it, which he then scored. Even look on Guardiola's face was bemused as he wasn't sure exactly why that happened. But because of the new laws, we don't call them rules because apparently the rules never change, but the laws change, enabled City to win 5-0 comfortably regardless of the penalty. Now, this may affect us later on in the season, but for a fixture that finished 5-0, it isn't really a a match-changing decision, I'd say. However, Wolves had a goal disallowed because a player was trying to score. It hit his own player on the arm, which then resulted in Wolves putting the ball in the back of the net, only for the referee to check VAR and rule it out. The game finished nil-nil. Now, it is the first game of the season, so let's not get carried away. But however, with so much counting in the first weekend of the Premier League and that becoming the talk of the whole weekend, 
In England, they refused to use VAR last year because they rightfully stated that it needed more time to be tested before applying it in the most expensive league in the world. I'm entirely convinced it isn't the right time. As I watched the weekend's action, the amount of stoppages that disrupted the flow of the game was very obvious. And for me, that's something that you want to enjoy the flow of the game, the momentum. Now, let's say if an underdog plays a powerhouse in the league. If they keep stopping the game, that destroys the momentum of the game so you won't have the fluidity to be able to execute the result. Referees are humans. They make mistakes, we move on, that's fine, I'm okay with that. If the ball crosses the line and there's a sensor that could win you a title, I completely understand using technology. I'm okay with that. Last year, John Stones cleared the ball off the line by millimeters, which to the human eye looked a certain goal. Goal line technology proved the ball wasn't entirely over the line and City won the league by one point against Liverpool. So that is when technology plays a huge role. I'm all for that. Now we start to overcomplicate things. Raheem Sterling was judged to be offside because his armpit was ahead of play. And last time I checked, you can't score with your armpit. So why are we stopping play for that? Now, it was again millimetres, but because of VAR, we had to stop the play. We had to watch it. We had to go over it after the goal had been scored. If, it's, if it was his foot, head, or even thigh, I can see how accurate that call would be. Now, again, I did say this game finished 5-0, so perhaps the game can be overlooked, but what if it becomes a game-winning decision? What do we do then? Now, there's a lot of room of improvement for developing those systems before applying them, especially to a multi-billion dollar league. Now, the other issue is that in England, we have one of the most dynamic, explosive leagues, so that makes it even more difficult to keep up. We watch replays and still have a difference of opinion, so why not let the man that counts on the pitch make the decision and we get on with it? There's a sense of accountability, he gets on with it, no one else interferes, we don't have the crowd on his back, we don't have the stoppage of play, and everyone's happy. We watch replays and we still have a difference of opinion. So why not let the man that counts on the pitch make the decision and we get on with it instead of having to over-elaborate the decision of the decision? Now, how do you feel about technology in the game? Are you for it or against it? Text us on 4215 do, or message me on Instagram live at Omar Duri and let me know what you think. I've had a few messages already and one of them from Safe asking how long will it take for us to actually master VAR? And Safe, who's tuned in on Instagram, thank you for tuning in, my bro. Um, as I said, it's going to take some time and I just feel it's not the right time to do it. If we had perhaps focused on it in cup competitions domestically, I could understand how. But the Premier League, with the amount of billions invested in, can really cost a team and also relegate a team. And that's my, my opinion of it. Coming up next, is the modern game being ruined by the new set of laws? Are we overcomplicating matters for no reason? We'll be right back after this break. From the heart of Sharjah. From the heart of Sharjah. From the heart of Sharjah. Pulse 95. Something to talk about. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. Welcome back to the Halftime Show. Now, if you've missed the first segment, we were talking about how technology is influencing sport and whether it's healthy or destroying the beautiful game. Up next, though, for those who are switched on this opening weekend in the Premier League and noticed a few strange decisions. That's because, ladies and gentlemen, we have 
a new set of laws in the game being implemented in the Premier League. I'm not sure about that. New laws are just over overcomplicating the sport. Now, when let me run you through a couple of these, okay? The new laws now, if you're wondering why there's a lot of stoppages. When a team gets a free kick in the attacking... Uh, the attacking team can no longer stand in the wall to disrupt the free kick. Now, we used to see back in the day players of the same team standing in to break up the wall. That can no longer happen. A defensive player is now able to receive the ball in the box from a goal kick. So if you wonder why the player's still in the box, it's because now they're able to receive to initiate play. So for those teams that like to play out from the back, your Manchester Cities, your Liverpools with your Van Dykes, Laporte, Kyle Walkers, they are now able to stand in the box, receive the ball and initiate the play. When it comes to penalties, a goalkeeper isn't allowed to stand behind the line, touch the goal or feign a movement. And now if you remember those historians in the game, um, Bruce Grobola from Liverpool was very famous from it. Jersey Dudek won Liverpool a Champions League against AC Milan by doing a strange dance on the, on the goal line. So that's another thing. Substitutes can now leave the field of play from any part of the pitch to encourage less time wasting. Eric Lamella of Tottenham was baffled when he got cautioned for leaving the field the old traditional way when Spurs uh, defeated Aston Villa. So now, wherever the player is on the pitch, they just can exit from that section. So that's another one. Handball is no longer based on intention. So if the player isn't looking and it strikes his hand, the referee will whistle. This is what drives me crazy as a coach, as a football fan. If the player is not looking and is completely facing the opposite way and it hits his arm, now it's handball. Back in the day, it used to be intentional means it's a handball now we just simply get a handball for everything so if i'm if i recall correctly about 10 years ago thierry henry was facing everton and he was standing up against a defender and cleverly he made the defender backtrack flicked the ball up and it hit the defender's arm now that was smart from henry but now you can do that all the time and it doesn't matter if it's inten intentional or not drop balls will no longer be 50 50. So the old school playground football when you used to get shins sore from a drop ball, no longer the case. The team that last in possession had the ball before the play was stopped will regain the ball and it will be up to them if they wish to play it back or not. So sportsmanship goes completely out the window if uh, you've got a 50-50. Here's one for you. Let's assume your team scores in the last minute and the striker goes wild. And for a split second, he takes off his shirt. And as we know, that's an automatic yellow card. Now, VAR checks the goal and disallows for a foul. The player that still that did the celebration still gets the yellow card despite the goal being disallowed. Oh, guys, someone help me out here. I don't know. Honestly... These are just laws for the sake of laws. Um, football is an emotional sport. Sport is an emotional sport. You know, you get anything that you play, you get emotional, you get the adrenaline going. I mean, you can't control your emotions for a few split seconds if you've won the game for your team. You know, these things are life-changing. Now you get booked for it, regardless of VAR, video assistant refereeing, uh, um disallowing the goal I lost my words there for a second disallowing the goal or not a member of okay let's let me put myself in the situation a member of my coaching staff reacts and doesn't 
and does something silly on the touchline, okay? If the referee cannot identify who did it, and I'm the manager, then I get the yellow card or the red card, depending on how bad the incident was. So now you have to keep your coaches, your technical staff, watermen, everyone that you have on the bench, you have to keep them in check because if you don't, you could be sent off. Wow. Uh, Everything appears to be a decision. The referee has less responsibility, which enables more gray in the sport and that it should never be gray. It's either black or white. Decisions are now based on opinion. I had a few people message me on Instagram Live and ask me regarding you know, who the official is, VAR might work. Yeah, but that's if we have the right official. Let me give you a scenario. Does anyone remember Pierre Luigi Colina, one of the best, if not the best referee of all time? Italian guy, quite striking, bold, really, really sharp green eyes, and would pierce through you if you went against a decision. One of the best referees in the history of sport, how would he do in the modern game of VAR? You think he'd be listening to someone else's opinion in the background? I doubt it highly. And no-nonsense authoritative figure who took no prisoners. How would he serve in today's game? Text us on 4215-ITASLAT-ORDU or message me on Instagram Live and let me know what do you think if Pierluigi Colina was involved in the modern game. Now, if if you missed the first part of the show, we discussed technology is killing the sport. Are we overcomplicating the beautiful game with the new laws? And up next, we're going to be talking about Do we have enough characters in the game? Ladies and gentlemen, if you missed today's show, remember, you can catch it on the Halftime Show with Omar Dury on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. More coming up next, only on Pulse95. The heart of Shaja. This is Pulse95. Heart of Shaja. This is the Halftime Show. Welcome back to the Halftime Show. Now, guys, if you've missed the show, you can catch us on Apple Podcast or SoundCloud. If you type in the Halftime Show on you get to catch up on everything you missed for today. And so far, it's been a good one. We've talked about VAR. We've talked about technology. We've talked about the laws of the game that's changing the sport. But now we often discuss characters in the game. And some may even argue whichever sport you follow, there's a lack of characters. John McEnroe, Eric Cantona, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, Kobe Bryant, Mara Donna, Tiger Woods. Have we turned from rock and roll to Millie rocking? And that's my question for the day. However, with big characters come baggage. And recruitment comes down to more than just ability. So if we do bring these players on board, as a coach, you've got to consider many factors. Recruitment comes down to more than just ability, right? So ability is obviously one of the most considered factors, but in recruiting a player for your team, whether it's basketball, American football, cricket, rugby, or even football, that all makes a difference. Squad dynamics are... And how the player adapts to the teammates is just as vital. So that's another thing you have to consider when you bring on a high-profile player. Trust is another huge factor that not just in sport, but in life. I spend so much time behind the scenes preparing, planning strategies, trying to figure out the best way to elevate my team. So I need a player I can trust to deliver that message because once that whistle goes, 
they control the game. No matter how much shouting you see from the sideline, they're on the pitch, they get the results. Now, ever heard the phrase, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard? Now, how many of you apply to that? And what do you guys think of that? Would you rather have a superstar or 10, 11 players who will work hard for you? Now that we have some unique cases where to, to some extent, the manager or coach has to make the decision on whether the team has to fit around the high profile player in order to get the best out of the team or the player has to complement the team with his strengths. Now think about that. However, you have to consider the baggage this player brings with him to the core group of the team because every organization or company or team you go to, there's a core group. Then, the small fact of social media. Now with social media playing such an integral role in sport, how he conducts himself away from the sport plays its part too because his fans, his followers, follow his move. And if he's active on social media, you know exactly what you're getting yourself into. And that's not always the right thing. His image rights, his endorsements, are all factors that we have to consider nowadays. Now, when I say that, who comes to mind? Paul Pogba, Neymar, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, all have a different part. But are there any deals that stand out to you which didn't materialize due to the player's baggage? Now, I mentioned this earlier. All the things I've named now are things that the player brings with him to the sport. Text us on 4215 do and message me on Instagram at Omar Duri and let me know what you think of the players that are high profile. Now, when I think of a high profile player, a certain player that's been branded all over the news and all the sports headline is Neymar. Neymar, Neymar, Neymar. A player that rose to stardom with his quick feet, audacious skill, and high-profile decisions. At Barcelona, it was almost unfair to have the trio Messi, Suarez and Neymar because they were so good. Regardless of whichever team you supported, you couldn't help but admire them. Almost the Harlem Globetrotters of the game and there's been some superstars in the game. Then the decision was made to leave Barcelona to Paris for reasons I still don't understand. And was it an offer of a lifetime? If so, why has he been so disgruntled? Why does he want to leave so badly? Is it his love for Barcelona? If so, why did he leave in the first place? Rumours are that Madrid might be his final destination. Barca fans, what do you think of that? Madrid, would you have him? Would you have him at Real Madrid? Now, a player of that talent, is it worth it to have a player like that with his baggage in your team? When he does, let's say if he does join, his salary would be amongst the highest paid players in the world so does that mean the other players start to get agitated because they now want a salary increase so you see all the problems that are building up here it's like a snowball effect if the listeners put themselves in the shoes of Luis Suarez or a Busquets or if we look at Madrid a Luka Modric or Sergio Ramos would you expect a pay rise when you have served the club for years and given your heart and soul to the club now this player comes in and you feel you deserve just as much, if not a little bit more, that begins to cause tension. Now, Paris Saint-Germain fans, what do you make of the Neymar situation? Let me know and text us in at 4215 or message me even on Instagram Live and let me know, do you still want him there? It seems like it's a toxic environment to be in and sport is all about environment. So, with a strike force, Barca fans, tell me, talk to me. 
With a strike force of Suarez, Griezmann and Messi, is there any room for Neymar? Especially that Coutinho is still there. Do you need to adapt a system where a 4-2-3-1 needs to be implemented to cater all? Real Madrid fans, talk to me. Cristiano Ronaldo's giant footsteps has never been filled. Let's face it, a player of that stature, almost impossible. Now, is Neymar the man to add that spark that was lacking last year, or was Hazard brought in to do so? That's how football runs. And I've had some really, really good comments on the side as well regarding that. And I put a poll up actually on my Instagram asking Barca fans, would you take him back after the way he left? Real Madrid fans, would you take him? Guys, coming up next, we tackle the questions on today's show, how you spent aid, how the first week of the Premier League fantasy football group went. Only this and more on Pulse95. You're listening to Pulse95. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. Welcome back to the Halftime Show. Now, I've had some really good interaction with some of the viewers out there. And listeners, so the viewers on Instagram and the listeners on the radio have come up with some great stuff on Neymar, Real Madrid fans, Barca fans connecting in. And if you missed today's show, we've talked about VAR, how technology might be killing the sport, uh, the new laws in the game, and also, do we have enough big characters? And speaking of big characters, the person that was mentioned almost instantly, as soon as I had mentioned his name on the show, Neymar. Now, Hamad uh, H9 would would take Neymar at Real Madrid because potentially he could be number one player in the world and that's why he left Barcelona to PSG in his opinion. However, Tarek Tamtam, uh, a Barcelona fan, said he wouldn't take him back because of how he left um, Barcelona and what kind of impact that had in his own selfish uh, objective. Um, that was something that I really picked on. Murad said that... Um, that Neymar left and wants to leave PSG because he feels he's bigger than them. And I agree with that to some extent because I know that there's been a lot behind the scenes that's happened at Paris and the owner has definitely invested a lot into Neymar and unfortunately that hasn't come through. Um, I have a question also from Ali uh, asking about the Super Cup. Now, before we go into the Super Cup with Chelsea and, and Liverpool, one thing I will say, and I mentioned this the other day, shout out to... Stephanie Frappart, the female referee who will be, for the first time, refereeing a major final. That's big. Massive, actually. And I'm uh, very happy to hear that. Now, again, with gender, if you're good enough, you, you know, you play or you coach or you ref. And she's definitely flying the flag in that sense. Um, I've also had a question from Faisal asking me about the Arsenal signings. What do I think of them? I think, in my opinion, I think if we if Arsenal had got Upamecano from Leipzig instead of David Luiz, I would have been very happy. But apparently, Leipzig wanted over 80 million uh, for the defender, who would have pretty much rounded off a very successful uh, transfer window. A lot of people are looking at Pepe. He's not he's not match sharp. He's not fit yet. However, I will say one thing: I feel that with all the attention going to Pepe, David Luiz, I think Martinelli, uh, the 18-year-old Brazilian who has connections with Edu, looks like a very, very good player and also can enjoy playing with freedom, especially at that age. You know, when you have a player that breaks into a team or gets given the opportunity, 
if he seizes his opportunity, he might actually surprise a few people. And I think that's why Unai Emery had let uh, Alex Iwobi go, because for many years they were saying that he had the potential. Um, I have to give a shout out to Ziad Oaks, who is currently top of the Pulse 95 Fantasy Football League. Now, if you haven't joined the league, you need to join it because we've got some really good teams in there. I went through it the other day. Uh, Maria Khan is very close, but Ziad Oaks, who uh, was with me on the weekend, I think it was a week ago, um, and traveled back to the UK, is tuned in today uh, from the UK on Pulse95Radio.com. Uh, and he's got the most points, 103 points from his first week on the Fantasy Football League. So massive shout out to him. Um, Hamad actually mentioned something good when we, when we talked about officials and VAR. He said he does agree with having two referees, one referee for the pitch and one referee for off the pitch. That would make a lot of sense instead of having a contradiction of opinions. Um, wow, we've had a lot of great stuff coming in. Uh, Diobala's image rights cost him a move to uh, to Tottenham and Manchester United, apparently. So that's another good one. Guys, for those that are tuned in, thank you so much for connecting. Thank you so much for tuning in. This show wouldn't be anything without you guys. If you have missed the show, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. And also, make sure you rate and review it if you like the show. On Saturday, I have a special guest coming up. Amal Leap of Hope Murad will be joining me. Um, you want to catch her. She's got a really, really cool story. And also, um, the roles that she's playing now, that she's a mother in the fitness world. So, guys, stay tuned for that. Thank you for being on the Halftime Show. We have reached full-time. Uh, we catch us on every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday, 3 to 4. Much love, guys. Have an amazing day. Stay blessed. All the best from Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every Monday, Wednesday and Saturday from 3pm.